Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So the other night, I was on my recliner at my house, and I look over and I see my wife on the couch, and she's fast asleep. Don't tell her I said that. And I started flipping through the channels, and I came across, uh, I think it was Grit. I think the, the channel is Grit. And uh, on the movie, there, the, the movie that was just starting was an old John Wayne movie. Old John Wayne movie, and the movie's called El Dorado. Now, some of you might be uh, a, a John Wayne fan. Some of you might be old to see when the movie debuted. It debuted way back in 1966. I wasn't born when the movie came out, maybe just a few months later, but some of you are already. Anyway, I love the movie. It's, a, it's an interesting movie. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? El Dorado, it's a, it's, a, it's a great American Western film. And it stars John Wayne and Robert Mitchum and a very young James Caan. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, here, here, here's something. So I'm looking at my wife. She's not paying attention. So I'm watching the movie, right? I'm watching this old, this movie. And, and what intrigued me about the movie was how many people got done, gunned down for no apparent reason, okay? If you're sitting in the saloon, you, I mean, you could watch out, watch out, because people are coming in, and they got guns. And I was like, wow. But what, what made me realize is that, is that there, there seems to me that there was always a showdown between good and evil. Always. Okay, the bad man with the black horses riding into town with the black hat, you know, and the good guys standing there saying, we need to defend our town. And I thought, wow. And of course, in every Western movie, there seems to be a showdown, right? I'm not sure if this movie had an okay corral or not, but I do know that there was a showdown between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And if you've never seen that movie, I'm going to spoil it for you. John Wayne wins in the end. Doesn't he always? Now, I tell you this story not to intrigue you with the movie El Dorado or John Wayne. I tell you this story because I believe it illustrates what Jesus is trying to teach us through his word. How so? If you remember, starting now in chapter 21 through chapter 25, if you're taking note, here's what we discover. The two kingdoms are going to clash, okay? We could call it the clash of the kingdoms, but I like, I like the showdown at the OK Corral a little bit better. How so? Well, it's the kingdom of God on earth and the kingdom of men. And what we learn, guys, is this is the final week of Jesus' life. And now, between now and actually his resurrection, we're definitely going to see a showdown between both kingdoms. Now, I want to put this early in your mind. There's a showdown for your soul. And as we go through our text, just keep in mind the forces and the kingdom of darkness is working hard Oh, not to unsave you, if you will, but simply to shelve you. But think about it as we go through. 
there's a showdown for those who are not saved. Because the enemy doesn't want you to come to Jesus. And so we see that today. Well, what's going on in our text? Jesus is headed to Jerusalem for Passover. And we're going to see that this is the final week of the life of Jesus. Now, for us, as we go through the text, it's going to take us several weeks just to, to fill in the week of Jesus. There's a lot of stuff happening. But let me remind you what we learned last week. If you weren't here, we saw our Jesus come down the triumphal entry, if you will. Remember, down, he's up on the Mount of Olives, and he's going to ride in, and it's the triumphal entry. The people are putting palm branches. They're taking what they have, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, this is it. This is it. This is amazing. And then we learn that Jesus goes in the temple. Do you remember what he found in the temple? He found people who um, were selling and scamming and jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and he set the doves free he said he said this remember he said it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but you've made it a den of thieves this is what he said he said listen we should be coming into the temple to worship god think about our wednesday night study in our wednesday night study we just finished psalm 84 where the psalmist says oh how i long to be in the temple you realize the psalmist was, was somewhat jealous of the birds, the sparrow, and, and, and the swallow because they were in the temple. They got to be in the presence of the Lord. And Psalm 84 is all about being in the presence of the Lord. And so Jesus comes in and says, this should be a place where we worship. This should be a place where we connect with God. And you guys are making it a... I can't believe it's a den of thieves. You're trying to rip off the people. And Jesus gets mad and we see that happen in the temple. And then we spend some time, if you will, on the test. You go, what test? Well, is the chief priests and the elders, they come and they want to examine him, if you will. And in verse 23 of chapter 21, it says, and when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Do you remember, we, we just unpacked that. And here's what we learned. When you and I are confronted by the truth of Jesus Christ that demands a response, we will either see what it is, confess, repent, and come clean, or we will do what these guys did. You go, what's that? Play games with God. They play a game with God that we see in the scriptures. You go, what do you mean? Well, it was very weighty. And, and, and so when we move into, actually move into to 2022, think about this. If you hear a teaching from this pulpit, or maybe you're listening to the radio, whatever it might be, you hear a teaching, or maybe you're sitting and having coffee with a friend and you're going through a Bible study, or you're actually doing your own study and you feel the weight of conviction from the Word of God, from the Holy Spirit, you are confronted with the truth. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 and it demands a response. You see, it's one thing for you and I to read the word of God, and we can do it very easily, but when the word of God begins to read us, that's when we have to make a decision. That's when we go, oh, okay, okay, I have to make a decision. I have to either see what it is, confess, repent, change my direction, come clean, or 
I can play the same game they play. And we see a lot of people play that same game. You go, what, what, what game is that? Well, guys, it's, it's called the authority game. The authority game. Remember what we learned. Within the authority game, we saw three things. What's that? If we begin to play games with God, the very first thing we do with God is redefine his authority. Redefine it for our lives. How so? When we redefine our authority, here's what we learned. We tell God, oh, no, 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 no. See, God wants me happy, and he would never ask me to do such a thing. God wants me happy. He wouldn't, no. Well, see, the Lord is convicting us in a specific area, and we start to redefine his his authority. What authority? The authority he has in our lives. You guys tracking with me? Here's why. Because when you gave your life to the Lord, guess what happened? You gave your life to the Lord. You gave your life to the Lord. It's his life. So he has all authority in your life. But when the Lord begins to convict you in those things in your life, what happens? Oh, 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 I'm going to redefine that. You see, because God would never ask me to do that. What else do we do? Well, we learn that we not only redefine his authority in our lives, but we redefine grace. What do you mean? Well, how do we do this? When we sin and knowingly sin. If you're taking note, it's called iniquity. You know the line. I know this is wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. That's iniquity. That's iniquity. When we know that, we then redefine his grace to cover the things I choose to do. What do you mean? Okay, so this is iniquity, right? This is the sin. This is sin. Here's the line. Here's the line. And I go, I know this is sin. This is sin. The Bible tells me this is I'm going to do it anyway. That's iniquity. So now I know that I've stepped in and I'm, I, I, I know it. And then I say, but see, I'm under grace. Say, God has the grace to cover me. I can do what I want. And so I start to redefine grace. Instead of repenting and going, Lord, I'm so sorry. And oftentimes, you and I, we tend to believe that God is struggling with recruiting new Christians that we go, well, he's just glad to have us, so I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. The third thing we looked at, guys, with the authority game, these are the one, this is what these guys are doing, is that we do redefine conviction. Conviction. As the Lord begins to convict us, here we are, iniquity. He goes, hey, 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 Ben, this is wrong. This is not right for you. You are my kid. This is not right. Okay, so now I'm being convicted. It's heavy in my heart. Here's what we tell God. No, 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 I can't do this. I can't do what you're asking, but here's what I'll do instead. Let me give you an example. This is iniquity. You guys with me? This is, this is sin. Okay, I know it's sin. I've stepped over. I have redefined his authority in my life. I've redefined grace. God, I'm going to be covered. And then I'll start to bargain. The Lord knocks on my heart. He says, hey, you need to go back. This is not for you. You're my kid. You, this is not right. The Holy Spirit does that. And I say, whoa, 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 God, listen. I really like being here. I like doing this. So here's what I do. If you'll let me stay here, I'll read my Bible more. God, if you let me hang out here, then I'll go to church more. God, if you, listen, listen, we're cool, we're straight, right? This is, this is just me. You and I, we, we have our separate deal. We don't have a deal that the Bible said. We have a separate deal. But listen, here's what I'll do. Uh, I'll put more money in the plate. 
we straight God? And that's what people do, guys. Here's what they do. They redefine conviction. Instead of letting the text and go, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. Because not only does my sin harm him missing the mark, not only does my transgression, when I cross the line and don't realize that, or my iniquity remind me that I put him back on the cross, I need to be, oh, I better, I'm going to come back. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, God. The, the chief priests, the elders, the people were playing games with God. And sometimes, come on, church, we play those same games. Depending on what we want. We play those same games. We learned that last week. So this morning, we continue in the showdown there in Jerusalem. If you're taking note, you can write somewhere in your Bible. It's Tuesday morning, and Jesus, once again, leaves them with the end game results. Okay, so they're playing games, and they, well, by what authority do you do this? Look at verse 27. He says, so they answered Jesus and said, we don't know. They're talking about the baptism of John. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. In other words, game over. That was it. Game over. You can't play these games. Now, that's where we left off last week. So we pick up our study in verse 28. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus is about to drop some truth on these guys. And it's definitely a showdown at the OK Corral in Jerusalem. Pastor, is there a Okay, Corral, I don't know. There's, I never saw Corral in Jerusalem, but he, well, just for the sake of our study, look at verse 28. Jesus looks at him and he says, but what do you think? When the Lord Jesus ever asks us a question, we better be ready to answer. Won't you agree? What do you think? Oh, I don't think anything, Lord. You're, <laughs> I'm not worthy, God. But he says, what do you think? He said, a man had two sons. And he came to the first and he said, son, Go. Work today in my vineyard. And he answered and he said, I will not. I don't know if he answered like that, but I figured he would. But afterward, he said, oh, and he regretted it and went. And then he came to the second son and said, likewise. And he said, oh, yes, sir. I go, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But he didn't go. Which of these two did the will of his father? And they said to him, the first. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. Mic drop. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the harlots, they believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent or believe him. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? Here's the story. Let me give it to you in just plain terms, okay? So a son had, a father had two sons. One of them was named Mike Shaw. And he said to Mike, Mike, listen, you've been kind of lazy these days. Why don't you go out and work for a little bit? And Mike says, no, I don't think I want to. I'm doing websites, 
But then the Holy Spirit convicted Mike, and Mike says, you know what? My dad has just been so good to me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And he goes out, and he works in the vineyard. And so the son goes to a second one. Okay? He goes to a second one, and he says, Haas! Go out and work in the vineyard. And Haas said, yes, sir. I go, sir. But then he said, no, I think I'm going to go out with Becky instead. I'm not going to go work. And so the Lord says, here's the deal. Which one of them really did the will of the Father? Now, this is so classic God. I painted a picture using Mike and Haas. And, and, uh, but, but, but think about it. This is so classic God. Okay, You go, you go why? Because Jesus always takes us back to what he just taught. They try to examine him, and he flips that exam. You go, what do you mean? Okay, so he says, let me take you back to the first lesson. Let's go back to the fig tree. The fig tree, yeah, look at verse 18 with me in your Bibles. He says, now in the morning, as he returned to the city, Jesus was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came and he found it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, Let no fruit grow on this ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered. And when his disciples saw it, they just tripped. It says marveled. But I mean, you you can understand. How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered, And surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what is done to the fig tree, but also you will say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Now, What does the fig tree resemble, guys? What does it represent? What does it symbolize? Well, we've learned that it symbolizes the nation of Israel. That's the fig tree. You go, how so? Well, he comes to it, right? And he sees this tree, and he goes, there should be fruit. I'm hungry. There should be figs. But there's just leaves. There's just leaves. Why? Because here's what it was, guys. The leaves um, was basically, he was saying to the disciples, Israel is very religious, meaning just leaves, but it had no fruit. You see, Jesus was looking for fruit, the fruit of godly living, the fruit of actually being a Christian, and godly living is always bathed in obedience. Always bathed in obedience. So Jesus comes and he goes, oh. And and, and, and the thing about it, he says, oh, Israel Israel, oh Israel, I came and you're so bathed in religion. And if you're a Bible student here, your mind automatically goes back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned and broke the relationship. Guys, what happened? They tried to cover themselves in fig leaves. It's a symbol of religion. But, but they lost that relationship. They, they lost it. And so here's the lesson. Israel, the chief priests, the elders, the people, they represented the fig leaves. Okay? They represented the fig leaves. They acted like they obeyed. They acted like the second son. But they didn't. Here's what the word of God says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very pious and, and very, yes, yes. No, we'll, we'll go into. But they, 
They didn't. They didn't go. They weren't obedient. They weren't obedient. Jesus comes to share the message of the Father, and what do they want to do? Kill him. They wanted to kill him. So, when it comes to application for you and I, we have to stop and go, okay, am I a Christian or am I religious? Am I bearing fruit or am I just, just a fig leaf? You go, well, how, did, how, how would I define that? Obedience. You see, you might have started out and said, no, you were like Mike Shaw, I'm not going to go, I don't want to go, you know. And then you go, oh, I, yeah, I go, and you were obedient. But the religious person said, oh, okay, sure. I'm going, Dad. As soon as he turned the corner, he didn't go. You see how Jesus brings it back. And then, and then he says, okay, so I brought it back to the fig leaf. And then the second lesson, he says, well, let's talk about the John, John's baptism exam. Your answer to me was we didn't know, but to quite honestly, you did know. You guys did know where his baptism came from. You knew, as a matter of fact, John came to show you the way of righteousness, but you guys didn't believe. You guys in your holy huddle, now I'm stepping aside because it doesn't say this, but you guys in your holy huddle were gathering together going, you know what, what, what about that John the Baptist guy? I don't know why we call him John the Baptist, but what about that John out baptizing? What He's crazy. Yeah, well, he's saying that he's pointing the way to the Messiah. As a matter of fact, I heard him say, behold, the Lamb of God. He was talking about that Jesus, but really he wasn't. And I don't know. What do you think? No, I don't believe. I don't believe. And so everybody gathered together and he goes, you guys really didn't believe. The problem was, is you looked like you believed. You acted like you believed. You were telling people, I believe, but you didn't believe. He says, guys, you, 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 you didn't believe. And you guys were acting a lot like the second son who acted like he was obedient, but he really wasn't. And you can imagine this was the first showdown at the OK Corral. How so? Because he gets to the heart of the matter. Here's the heart of the matter. The fruit of our lives should be obedience and godly living. That should be the fruit of our lives. Listen, we can quote scripture all day long. We can read the Bible all day long. But the evidence is the fruit that you bear. That's the evidence that you belong to Jesus. Now, I realize there's a showdown in godly living. You know, what's the showdown? The showdown is that you are a spirit who loves Jesus. Your spirit is born again. You're excited. You want to love him. But you've got, you've got the other part of this, which is your flesh. Isn't there not a clash of kingdoms there? Your spirit wants to give, help, grow, serve. And sometimes your flesh gets in the way and says, no, we won't. We will not do it. We're going. And, and, and again, 
two natures beat within my breast. Okay? One, I, you know, one is spirit and one is flesh. One I love and one I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. Okay? So if we are, now listen, I'm going to step on your toes. I'm going to step on your toes because I'm stepping on my own toes. When we feed into the flesh, when we feed into the flesh, eye gate, what I'm allowing, what I'm watching, ear gate, what's coming in, what I'm reading. When I sow into the flesh, that's going to dominate my life. So when the kingdoms clash, I'm going to lean towards the flesh. When I'm in Bible study and I'm in prayer and I have my quiet time and I'm loving Jesus and, and, I'm, and I've crucified the flesh daily, then I lean towards the Spirit. And when something goes down in my life, your reaction, come on church, your behavior is going to be based on what you have been feeding yourself. That's, thank you. I was going to say that's good. That's good. That's good preaching right there. When you are with a certain situation in your life, there's a showdown at the OK Corral. What you've been feeding is going to dominate. What should I do? Feed your spirit. Trust Jesus. Trust the Lord. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Be obedient to his word. Don't play games with God. Don't, don't try to, you know, well, let me see me and God, you know. So that was the first showdown. But it goes, we, we have another one, okay? So, so the smoke clears in the movie, and all of a sudden, the scene changes, and now we have the second showdown. Look at verse 33 with me. Jesus says, here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and went to a faraway country. Now, when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And again, he sent other servants more than the first. And they did likewise to them. Then the last of all sent his son, saying, They will respect my son. But the vine dresser saw the son and said among themselves, This is the year, come, let us kill him, seize his inheritance. So they took him, they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? The, the Lord's asking a question. And he's like, Okay, here's what they're going to do. They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render him the fruits of their season. Okay, so this is a showdown. Okay, this is a showdown. What you need to know, and if you don't mind writing in your Bibles, he's talking about the prophets. He's saying, I sent prophets to you to proclaim Jesus, and you killed them. You killed them. You killed the prophets. 
The latest of those prophets were who? The very one in our text, John the Baptist. Now, again, think about it. Think about it, guys. Here's, what, here's what's going on. I want you to think of your old Western movie, maybe your, your favorite Western movie. We'll use El Dorado. But what happens is usually the good guys, the dad has lots of sons. Okay? He has a whole quiver of them, and they're all, it's like Bonanza, right? I mean, you got Haas, and you got little Joe, and you got all this stuff, and these kids have no idea what I'm talking about. But they have lots of sons, and so the first thing goes, he goes, son, why don't you ride out to the pasture and see what's going on out there and uh, collect the rent from the land that we leased. And so they ride out there, right? And these guys, these outlaws, killed dad's kids. Whoa! I can't ride back. Well, little Joe got, got killed. And so dad says, oh, whoa, okay. Let me send, a, let me send, a, he, so he sends his other boys. And guess what happens? Jesus says, and they got killed. And so he's sitting in the hacienda, and he looks, and he sees his son. He goes, listen, maybe you need to go out there. They'll listen to you. They'll respect you. And so he goes, great idea. So dad, he, the son loads up his horse, rides out into the pasture. The guys see him. They look at him and say, that's the son. We'll never have to pay rent again. Let's kill the son. It's, it, that's a classic Western movie, is it not? But Jesus asked the question. He said, now, the owner, when he comes, what's he going to do to the vine dressers? Now, what we need to understand is Jesus is telling them a parable, and he teaches a lesson and convicts them at the same time. Now, what I want you to see, what I want you to grasp is, you ready? Jesus actually loves these guys. You go, what do you mean? Jesus loves religious people. You see, you and I, when we have a real relationship with God and then we run into somebody who's religious, we have a tendency to go, and we we pick a side. But I want you to see we can't do that because Jesus loves the He's telling this because he wants to bring them into a relationship. That he wants to separate them from simply being a fig leaf into bearing fruit. Can I get an amen? You understand that, okay? He wants them. And I think you and I, as fully devoted followers of Jesus, should have that same heart to all people. If God loves them, we should love them. Yeah, but they're not like us. I get it. But I wasn't like us. You weren't like us. But God loved you. And he pulled you in. And he, he had a relationship. And, and, and if you really think about it, you should really go, me? <laughs> me? Me? You see, some people go, me? Of course me. Who wouldn't want this? I'm, I'm great. I'm A, A great on God's team. Who wouldn't? Of course God's going to call me. I don't know about Adam, but he's going to call me. That's pride. And we really think about, oh, Lord, me? You want to use me for your kingdom? Can I encourage you for just a moment? The very jobs and schools, and friends that you have right now, listen, that's your mission field. You with me? And God's using you 
whether you see it or not, to impact the kingdom. He's using you. You go, but I hate my job. God knows. And if it was time to go, he'd let you know. But the point is, is that he chooses a bunch of misfits and weirdos and strangies and um, what's that place? The, the clearance racks, right? The, 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 <laughs> the, the slight little imperfections. You know that rack, right? You know the rack at the store where it's like one arm is just a little bit longer, but if, but if you wear it like this, nobody will tell. You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of clothes, that's us. That's us. That's not me. No, you, that's you. And if you're sitting here thinking that's not me, that really is you. We are. We're, we're, we're the strange. And I love it. I love it because God looks at us and goes, those are the type of people I can use. Why? Because there's nothing, there's nothing great but they have a heart that's obedient. They have a heart that's willing. And God wants to use you. He wants to use you in your workplace. He wants to use you in school. He wants to use you wherever he wants to use you. You realize too, you realize that church is more than just coming and sitting and listening to the word of God. You see, God is, God is going to use your gifts to encourage somebody here. Somebody comes in and they're really bummed. They've had a hard day. Man, maybe just a smile from you, a hug. Maybe your whole week, nobody's told you, how are you doing, how's it going? But you come here and somebody goes, hey, I haven't seen you, how are you? Let's sit down, how are you, how's it going? And God can use you. So don't just come in and go, I'm at church. Okay, I can't wait till he's done, hurry up, Ben. (laughs) You're not really craving tacos today. I'm not sure if I'll get the beans or the rice, though. Is he talking to me right now? I don't think so. God can use you. That's what I'm saying. Boy, you went way off on that. I did, but here's the point. The people who heard Jesus tell this parable would completely understand what Jesus was saying. Okay, many wealthy people would buy land, guys, they would buy land and they would build a tower, okay, they would always build a tower to protect it, okay, and then they would set up a vineyard, and here's what they would do, they'd rent out their vineyard, not only would they collect rent, but they would also get a portion of the fruit that came in, so if they, if it was, if it was grapes or whatever, you would collect, okay, it's a hundred dollars a month for rent, thank you, and here's 20 percent of the grapes of the fruit, so that's, everybody understood this. Everybody understood this. So, what happens? He's telling a story so you and I can grasp in such plain language. How so? Well, God the Father is the landowner. And he sent prophets to tell people about Jesus. He's coming, the Messiah, the Meshach, get ready. You guys are nodding your head, right? And so what happens? They killed him. And so he says, I'm going to send my son. So he sent his son 2,000 years ago. And what did we do? We killed him. Oh, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the heir. Now, what they didn't count on was that he was going to resurrect. 
And that's what freaks people out. But our Heavenly Father sent His Son, and this is what's hard for people to grasp, that our Heavenly Father sent His Son to die in our place. And in our world today, listen to me, church, in our world today, we are becoming more wicked than even the day of Noah or Sodom and Gomorrah. We really are. And so, and so what would they do? Listen, I've seen, I've seen video and pictures of a guy holding up a sign saying, if Jesus comes back, we'll kill him again. That's the heart of men. And so Jesus asked the guys a question. He says, hey, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what is he going to do to the folks? And the religious leaders replied, well, he's going to put those wicked men in a horrible death and lease the vineyard to other people and give them a share of the crop and each harvest, right? What happened? Israel... The chief leaders, they rejected the Messiah. And 40 years later, Jerusalem was destroyed. And it was the Gentiles who had to take the gospel to the world. Do you see that? Do you see that? I mean, this is so, that verse is so key, guys. Think about it, what he just said. He said, he will destroy the wicked men miserably, lease the vineyard to other vine dressers who will render him fruit. He says, okay, Israel, you don't accept me? He's, oh my goodness, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I wanted to just put you under my wings, like, but you wouldn't let me, you don't, you're, oh, okay. So now we have, you ready, prophecy? Now we have what was called the church age. The Gentiles were given the task to go now and promote the gospel. What Jesus said really happened. It really happened. And so, think about it. So the showdown at the OK Corral is almost done with Jesus' final draw. Look at verse 42. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's quoting Psalm 118, 22 and 23. You see, the cornerstone figure was popular all throughout the, you know, as a matter of fact, Peter used it and Paul used it. He always talked about the cornerstone, okay? Now, the cornerstone in the quarry was the most important part. And the contractor would call up and say, hey, we need to get, we've got brick, we need this, we've got rock coming in, make sure I get the cornerstone. Well, what happened is they brought the cornerstone, they looked at it, they put it aside, they didn't realize where it was, calling back up, goes, hey, where's the cornerstone? Hey, he said, we delivered to you weeks ago. They rejected the chief cornerstone. He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, that's actually become the chief cornerstone. The ones you actually put aside, put it away, hid, forgot about. He's the one. 
And then Jesus says, therefore, notice, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Now, once again, this happened 40 years later with a guy by the name of Titus Despasian. He came in and he totally, I mean, this is, this is Rome. This is Rome. You understand that? The United States of America was founded and produced fruit unto the gospel. But not anymore. Not anymore. We once were a Christian nation. We're not anymore. Don't let anyone fool you. We're not anymore. Think about, think about for just a moment what we've become as a nation. We have, as a nation, we have now called evil good and good evil. We have and we are killing babies in the name of convenience. That's what we're doing. We have strayed so far from biblical principles that we are not considered a Christian nation. Now let me say this. I love the United States. And I know we have problems, and I know we've always had problems. In the, in the last 200 plus years that we've been a nation, we've had, we've had problems. Can we agree to that? But our founding fathers was based upon the word of God. And we have, in 2022, so strayed from that that we are not considered a Christian nation. There's Christians in the nation, but I believe, think about what Jesus said, the kingdom of God is going to be taken from you. We cease to bear the fruit of a Christian nation. Unfortunately, I believe we see, and I'm going to paint with a big broad brush, I believe that the church of God, Christians all over the United States, have somehow even swayed this way. We've stepped away from God's word in our lives. And then Jesus goes on, listen to what he says, verse 44. And whoever falls on the stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Jesus, what did you just say? He's telling us right now to fall on the Lord Jesus and be broken. Why? For it's in our brokenness that we're healed. Fall on that, Lord, I'm broken. You see, we're going to be healed spiritually when we fall on the Lord Jesus. We're going to be healed emotionally when you fall on the Lord Jesus, and even physically. And even physically. You go, well, what happens if we don't? 
If you don't, he says, the stone will actually fall on you and grind you into powder. What's the purpose? Well, verse 45, notice. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to I close with these. I want, you, I want to close, but don't, don't close your Bibles because when the pastor says we're going to close, everybody goes... Zip, 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 zip. But listen, to the heart of the kingdom of men, okay? Notice the heart, verse 45. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Guys, here's the showdown at the OK Corral. They go, wait a minute. He's talking about me. Instead of repenting, instead of repenting and saying, he's talking about me. They wanted to kill him. Instead of repenting, they wanted to kill him. Except they, they didn't fear God. Who did they fear? They feared the multitude. Oh, he's a prophet. We can't do that. But they wanted to kill him. The kingdom of men realized that Jesus was speaking of them. I pray the Lord softens our hearts so that when we hear the truth of the word of God, and he's speaking about us in our lives and in our walks and in our thoughts and in our actions that we wouldn't but that we would repent so what's our takeaway this morning what's our takeaway you ready number 1 religion does not save you Religion does not save you. You can grow up in a very religious home. You can do all the things, but religion doesn't save you. (sighs) You see, religion is a temporary covering. We need, you ready, a real and and relevant relationship with Jesus. That's what we need. We need Jesus. Number two, what's our takeaway? Obedience to his word. In your lives, in your walks, in your life, should be obedient to the word of God. We need to obey the Lord. How so? Here's what we do, church. You ready? And I think it's important. As disciples, as disciples, we have to constantly be examining our lives to make sure that we are living godly and that our lives glorify God. Yeah, Ben, but you said, remember what I said, there's two, there's two natures. There's, there's, a, there's a showdown at the 
OK Corral in your life. Your spirit wants to do all. Yes, I want to be obedient to his word. I want to follow the Lord. Oh, I want to see and I want to feel him. Oh. And your flesh goes, we ain't going to do that today. And, and it fights you. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? In practical ways, right? In practical ways. When you are sowing and uh, feeding the flesh more than you should, you seem to be a little bit more defensive. Just me? I mean, it really is. My wife will say something, and I will, I will bow up more than, than not. What are you allowing in your eye gate? What are you allowing in your ear gate? When you're feeding to the flesh instead of the spirit, and you leave here today and you go out to eat, you guys know the story. And you'll walk into the restaurant and you'll say, hey, Wilkins, party of two or five or however many you have now. I don't know. Depends on the day. And they say, sure, we got you. Wilkins, wonderful, wonderful. And so they, it'll be about 10 or 15, maybe 20 minutes. Is that a problem? Tiffany said, not a problem. I'm starving. I'm really, really hungry. As a matter of fact, I'm getting to the point where I'm always hangry, but that's okay. And so they sit down, right? Now, Here comes Rose and Jim. They don't know Rose and Jim. They come in and say, hey, party of whatever. Oh, right this way. We have a table for you. Excuse? Oh, ma'am, excuse me. Uh, They just walked in. Oh, did you get your name on the list? Yes, I put my name. We've been here for 20 minutes. We should, how come we're not seated? There have been... You know, Joe and Beverly have walked in. I mean, four. And so what happens, guys, is what do we do? We're in the flesh. When we're sowing to the spirit, then you can lovingly say, hey, Judy, I don't know, whatever her name is. You know, we, we've, we've had our name on the list. Is, is it almost, is, are we almost at Next. Oh, Mr. Adam, I'm so sorry. I thought we sat you. Has that ever happened to you before? They thought they sat you, scratched you off, and there you are. Starving to death. None of, none of us have ever starved to death. Come on. Come on. We're just withering. Can I have a morsel of bread? You go, Pastor, what's your point? I'm being silly, but here's the point. I, and if you'll join me, I want to sow into the Spirit. Because I know there's a showdown. And Paul says that I need to crucify my flesh daily. I've got to, no, I can't let, I can't let the ugly head come up. I have to say, no, 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 you're dead. You're a dead man. You're a dead man. I want to walk in the Spirit. But it's what I put in my brain constantly. Constantly. One last thought because it's coming to mind. How many of you, how many of you, have, if you've overindulged in the news, do you get angry? All the time, don't we? 
How come I'm so angry? Because I've just spent all this watching the news and my world is going to blow. I can't believe that everybody's letting us do this. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. That's where we need to be. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word, God. We thank you that you're so gracious to us. And, and Lord, there is a showdown. There's a showdown for our lives, Lord. And the enemy wants to shelve Christians. To bar our testimony, to break us. And Lord, your word is so precious and your Holy Spirit is so sweet. So I pray for every Christian here that feels like they're in a showdown. And the enemy's just trying to get them to... to, to, to the enemy's used discouragement and depression and, and anxiety and fear and worry. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would begin to sow to the Spirit, to read the Bible, to be part of... Even today, Lord, that they would... They would agree to be baptized if they want to. This is a new day for me. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe today there's a showdown for your spirit. The enemy has been fighting you not to come to church, not to surrender your life to God. But today, God is speaking to you. And maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening to podcasts, but, the, but today you're going, Pastor, you know what, I, you were saying some things for real, like, but, but I don't know if I have a real relationship. Well, I have good news. The good news is you can have a relationship with God today. And all you have to do is surrender your life. Well, what do I have to do? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hand. And by lifting up your hand, you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. Now, there may not be many in here, but there might be. There might be. If you've never surrendered your life, you, like, like here's the bottom line. You don't have a real relationship with the God that created you, but today he's knocking on your heart and saying, yeah, today I want to come inside. I want to change your life. Will you let me? then all you have to do is you have to just lift up your hand. And if you're watching online, you could lift up your hand. I can't see you, but I trust God can. So if you're here today and you're ready to commit your life to God, there's a, there's a, there's a showdown today. And God wants to come in and save you. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Would you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God bless you, brother. Would anyone else? Would you just... Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe you, you've fallen from God and, and it's a recommitment. Would you just lift up your hand? Just lift up your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you. And, and maybe you've lifted your hand too. I pray. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and fill you. You know what you're doing. You know. He's already moved in your heart and you're going to make that great dedication. And so I thank you. If you're here today and you just you just oh I don't know what to do, just ask the Lord right now. Say, Lord, I, I I'm gonna follow you. I've I've given my life to you, but I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna make that even I'm gonna make a stronger commitment to follow you. In these last days, I'm gonna be your disciple. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. 
You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.